the Lord has given me um, a special word. I've been preparing for something very special that's coming up this week in the United States. Every year on the first Thursday in May, the United States observes the National Day of Prayer. And that's coming up just five days from now. And as I've been preparing for it, um, one of my assignments has been to pray over the Equality Act um, here in, in the United States. And as I was praying over it and seeking the Lord, he gave me this word and he says it's for the body of Christ, it's for all saints in all nations. And he had us to set it up to bring it to you today. Glory to God. So if you know anybody <laughs> who is a part of the body of Christ, invite them now. Invite them to join now. This word is for all saints and for all nations. Glory to God. Um, and you might be saying, but wait a minute. I'm not a part of the United States and you're going to talk about stuff. It's in the United States. That's okay. You can join us in prayer. <laughs> and then you can glean things that will apply to your own nation. Um, but as the National Day of Prayer is concerned, if you are in the United States, I want to encourage you to get involved with events that are going on in your area. And if you don't know of events that are going on in your area, I'm sure you can just Google National Day of Prayer and where you're from, and they will list um, items, events, and places for you. But this is a day that we come together as a nation to pray for our country. Okay? Um, and if you've seen anything, anything on the news, then you know there's a lot going on um, in the United States. And I'm sure there's a lot going on wherever you are. So again, this word is for all saints in all nations. And before we pray in, I want you to know that I am not here to talk politics. I am here to handle kingdom business. That is what we are doing today. We are handling kingdom business. And so now, um, Apostle True, if you would please pray us in that we could prepare our hearts to receive a word from the Lord. I'd be so grateful. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to need you to open up your hearts and your minds today. I'm going to need you to really engage into God's spirit room. I'm going to need you to open up because God has a word for the body. And if you are watching, you are part of the body. And if you are watching, God is speaking to you. And if you are watching, God has something great for you. He has work for you to do. So, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for open hearts and open minds, Lord. We thank you, Father God, that you are even now, Father God, present in each home, Father God, in each car, Father God, wherever they are watching, you are present, Father God. I thank you, Lord, that even now, Father God, your peace is resonating in the name of Jesus, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that hearts are being opened, Father God, minds, Father God, are being opened, Father God, to receive the word upon high. Lord. I thank you, Father God, for the anointing to receive it. I thank you, Father God, that revelation will come. Thank you, I thank you that old mindsets will be broken and torn down. Thank I thank you that new wine and new wineskins will be, Father God, replaced with the old. I thank you that you are approving this message, Father God. Amen. I thank you that you are going to approve each and everyone who is receiving it. Thank you, I thank you, Father God, that they will not be the same. They will be motivated into action, Father God. Mm -hmm. 
they will consecrate themselves and be prepared, Father God, for the day of prayer. And not only just the day, the national day of prayer, but they will make prayer a priority in their lives. And so, Father God, as we, Father God, go forth and uh, Prophetess K goes forth, Father God, to speak the oracles of God, we just ask that you would, Father God, continue to anoint her and bless her. Use her as the vessel that you have so delicately, Father God, placed and molded and shaped. Let her be a trumpet, Father God, a clarion call unto the body of Christ this morning. We love you. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to do whatever you choose to do. You have access. You have given us access. And so now we give you permission to do what you so please. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Be the glory. And you know, I'm going to let you all in on a little something. The Lord <laughs> has ministered to me every time I get ready to deliver his word. He says, enjoy yourself in me. So I just say, yes, Lord, I enjoy myself in you. And Lord, I say you enjoy yourself in this gathering in the name of Jesus. So God will be glorified. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right. So as I said, um, this message was birthed while I was preparing for the National Day of Prayer. And one of my assignments was to pray regarding the Equality Act. You might know it as HR5 or House Resolution 5. This act was passed in the House and it's now going to Senate. And if it passes in the Senate, it will become law. This, keep in mind, don't, don't disconnect. I'm not here to talk politics. I'm here to talk kingdom business. And this concerns you. So just stay tuned. It, it, hold on. So this act purports to ban discrimination against people of the LBGTQ plus community. Um, so just to make it plain, it's for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer plus community. And this act purports to ban discrimination against them the same way it bans discrimination against women, against people of color and against other groups. So um, before I go any further with this, let me go on record as saying, I am all for equal rights of individuals who are in the LBGTQ community. I'm not against any person, okay? I am against the lifestyle. I am against the life, just as I'm against the lifestyle of an adulterer, a liar, a cheater, anybody else. And here's the reason why. Psalm 3527. Now I'm going to reference scriptures today. So I encourage you, if you haven't already, get your pen, get your paper, get your journal, get your Bible, get everything you need to capture what the Lord would say to you today, uh, because I'm going to go through scriptures. Some I'll go through rather quickly, and some I'll ask you to put your eyes on with me. So make sure you have your Bible. All right. Okay. But Psalm 35, 27, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Hallelujah. So this is the servant speaking, and he, he's saying, um, be glad, shout for joy, they that favor my righteous cause. Well, his righteous cause is the Lord's cause. And so that's what I'm saying to you today. Shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. My righteous cause is God's righteous cause. And today, 
we're going to talk about the righteous cause that's found in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, where God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. His righteous cause that's found in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that none should perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Glory to God. That's where I'm coming from today. So when I'm talking about the LBGTQ community, I'm not against the person. I am all for God's righteous cause, that they would uh, be saved and they would come to the knowledge of the truth, that they would repent, glory to God, um, that they would not perish, but they would come to repentance. And so now going back to Psalm 35, 27, it says, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Well, that was Old Testament. So now we're New Testament. We're his children. Hallelujah. And he has pleasure in our prosperity. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to do well. And as I was meditating the scripture, God showed me it is his pleasure for us to prosper. And as much as it is his pleasure for us to prosper, it is his displeasure for anything to keep us from prospering. So as much pleasure as he has in our prosperity, that's how much displeasure he has when we don't prosper. And guess what keeps us from prospering? Sin keeps us from prospering. Missing the mark keeps us from prospering. Not aligning with his word keeps us from prospering. So my righteous cause is God's righteous cause. I'm not against the homosexual. God is not against the homosexual. He's against the homosexuality because that sin is keeping them from enjoying the abundant life that he gave his son for us to have. He wants all of us to enjoy the abundant life that he has for us. He desires for us all to prosper. So again, I'm going on record. I'm not against the homosexual, the transgender, or anyone else. I'm not against anyone having equal rights. I'm for their being saved. I'm coming, I am for their coming to the knowledge of the truth. And I am for their coming to repentance. And as such, I'm willing to be a vessel for God to use as he chooses. And now let me tell you, this is what the Lord showed me. There are some in the body of Christ who have issues <laughs> with people of the LBGTQ community. They have issues where homosexual, uh, homosexuality is concerned. They're harboring hatred under the guise of, I hate what the Lord hates. But remember, God doesn't hate the person. He hates the sin. Some people in the body of Christ are harboring fear. Like, I don't want that to rub off on me. Some people in the body of Christ are harboring prejudice. They're okay with the liar. They're okay with the cheater. They're okay with the adulterer. They're okay with the fornicator. But when it comes to homosexuality, nope, just not going to deal with it. Some are harboring unforgiveness. They have friends or loved ones who are living that kind of lifestyle. And they're angry with their friends and loved ones. They're ashamed of their friends and loved ones. And all of these issues, all of these manifestations that I just spoke of, they are a manifestation of pride. And it's hindering your prayers. 
it's hindering your efforts even those who know about the Equality Act and even those who, you know, where homosexuality is concerned and you're coming against it, but see there, there's a motive that's in place. The Lord is showing there's a motive and it needs to be dealt with. And God says there is deliverance for you today. And so as I speak, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to shine his light on your darkness. And when he does, I want you to humble yourself and confess your sin. What does it mean to confess your sin? That means, first of all, come into agreement with God about what he's saying. If he's saying this emotion is wrong, if he's saying this thought is wrong, if he's saying this attitude is wrong, if he's saying this action is wrong, if he's saying this deed is wrong, then you need to say, yes, Lord, I agree with you. It is wrong. And then you need to turn from your way of thinking, being, and doing, and turn to his way of thinking and being and doing. That is repentance. First John 1 9 says that if we confess our sins, if we say what God says about our sins and then turn from it, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, that's how we stay in the sanctification power of God. That's how the things of the world and the things that would separate us from God aren't able to attach ourselves from us, I mean, to us because we stay in agreement with God. And when he says something is wrong, we say it's wrong and we turn from it. And so now we are um, separated unto God and separated from the effects of the world. If you hear the Lord talking to you right now, Go ahead, confess. Go ahead within the privacy of your own heart. Let God deal with you. But right now I break the stronghold of pride, which manifests as hate and fear and prejudice and unforgiveness in the name of Jesus. Now you receive that by faith. You receive that by faith. It is broken off of you. I break that stronghold in the name of Jesus. And I build a stronghold of the word of God. God loves you. That's his word to you. God loves you. Receive the revelation of his love in Jesus' name. I build a stronghold of the word of God in you that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. The love that God has for you is shed abroad in your heart and the love that he wants you to love others with is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You don't have to come up with your own love to love others. Let God love people through you in the name of Jesus. I build a stronghold of the word of God within you that the love of God within you never fails. It never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end in the name of Jesus. You shall never run out of the love of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Receive that in Jesus' name. And now I declare and I decree, according to John 13, verses 34 and 35, that from this day forward, you're going to love others as Jesus loves you. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to love others as Jesus loves you. And this is how people will know that you are his disciples, by your love. Not because you go to church, not because you wear a title, not because um, you, you fast five days a week. Not, they're going to know that you are his disciples because of your love. Glory to God.
Receive that. I call you delivered in Jesus' name. I speak that the eyes of your understanding are being enlightened in Jesus' name. I speak that if you did not know that these were hindrances that were holding you back, if you weren't aware of these prejudices in your heart, the Holy Ghost is shining his light on your darkness. And that as you see, hallelujah, you are thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for showing it to me. I didn't know, and there was no way I could deliver myself from it. Thank you for delivering. Receive it now in Jesus' name. He's equipping you. He's equipping you. He's restoring you. Ah, there are some prayers that you've been praying that haven't been coming forth. There have been some hidden motives in your heart that you didn't know, but God's revealing them to you today. Hallelujah. He's sweeping out the corners. Glory to God. He's restoring you. Glory to God. Don't see this as a point of condemnation. This is not condemnation. God corrects those whom he loves, and he's given you the solution to the problem. Hallelujah. Receive it and rejoice. And rejoice. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, so we're shifting back to the Equality Act now, all right? So this act purports to ban discrimination against people of the LBGTQ community, but what it actually does is it elevates the rights of people living this lifestyle above the rights of the faith-based community. In other words, it strips the rights of those that I will collectively call the church, faith-based um, organizations, religious organizations. This act puts the rights of the LBGTQ community above the faith-based community, and let me show you how, okay? So I'll point out three things about this act. Number one, it endangers the church. It endangers the church in that the church will no longer be able to hire or not hire people based on the beliefs of the church based on the core values of the church. Because if you say, no, you can't work here because you engage in such and such and such and such, if this act becomes law, then that is now discrimination. And you are the one held at fault. You are, th th this, this act, this law would um, strip the church of its rights to choose who and who not to hire based on our religious beliefs, based on our faith-based beliefs. It would strip the church's rights uh, um, to segregate bathrooms and locker rooms. So, you know, we have a men's room and a women's room, boys, girl, boys bathroom, girls bathroom. Well, we wouldn't be able to do that anymore because if I'm a little boy, but I feel like a girl today, then I get to go in the girls' bathroom. Or if I'm a girl and I feel like a boy today, I get to go in the boys' bathroom. And the church has no say over which bathroom any person goes over and goes into. And then there's no control over what happens in there. The church does not have the right to say, this is for men, this is for women. And I don't need to remind you, do I, that God created us male and female. All right. So I'm going to remind you again that while I'm talking about the Equality Act and the Equality Act may not affect your nation, I want to encourage you to stay tuned because you're going to hear a word that will affect you as that if it hasn't already that will affect you as a child of God and it will mobilize you to take a stand for your nation. All right, the second thing the Equality Act does um, is that it encourages suppression of religious freedoms. 
It prevents faith-based organizations from denying a service or housing or anything else to the LBGTQ community, even though it goes against their religious beliefs. So um, what it does is it gives faith-based organizations, it gives uh, the body of Christ an ultimatum. And it says, either change your faith-based practices or be punished for it. And I know this is not new to a lot of nations. I know nations are going through this even now. This is the first time America has come this close to having our religious freedoms um, stripped. But this is why there are underground churches around the world. But now look at, at what's happening. Let's look at what's happening. The third thing that the um, Equality Act does, it affects our children. But what I see even bigger is that it strips parents of their parental authority. How does it affect our children? Well, if a, child, if a little boy decides that he wants to be a little girl, then the doctors, the, the, this act, this law would force doctors to ignore parents' wishes for their child not to have the operation. Doctors would have to ignore that and they would have to give the child the operation and give them the puberty blockers, give them whatever medication it would take. Doctors would legally have to do that regardless of the child's age. The child does not need parental consent. Now that just sounds all kinds of backwards. That just doesn't even sound right. What this does, it is a perversion. It overrides parents' rights um, to, to raise their children. It overrides parents' wishes for their children concerning transgender proceedings. Now, what this does, it gives children who have the desire or they think they have the desire to be a part of the LBGT community, it gives them rights above their parents who are raising them. This is a perversion of God's word. Proverbs 22, 6 tells us that we are to train up a child in the way that he should go. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, it says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God gave parents stewardship and authority over their children. So parents, I'm talking to you today, whether you're a biological parent, an adoptive parent, a foster parent, a God parent, whatever kind of parent you are, I am speaking to you today. Take your rightful place. You have stewardship over your children. You are the ones who are to be leading your children. When they are young, here I go. When they are young, you are not to be their friend. You are to be their parent. Your children are not your equal. When they are young, the Bible says that they are to obey you. They're to do what you say. And when they become of age, they are to honor you. They're still to esteem you and to honor you. But it is not for um, uh, children to be telling the parents what to do. Now, I've been seeing this trend for a while. You know, it seems to be popular these days when I've seen it a lot. When they're little babies, the parents would call the baby, hey, mommy, hey, puppy. Why are you calling your child mommy and poppy? That is out of order. That is out of God's divine order. Well, Prophetess K, it's just a nickname. Prophetess K, no, 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 no. Your words have power. Your words have power. Your words have meaning. And the Bible says that we will be accountable for every idle word that we speak. 
watch your words. Just as you're not to talk, you know, you're stupid, you're good for nothing, you're this. No, it's the same way. No mommy, no poppy, no. Speak God-ordained words over your children. I saw this ad on Facebook a little while back and they were advertising t-shirts. The man was wearing a t-shirt. He says, you can't tell me what to do. Only my daughter does that. That is not cute. That is not funny. Parents, take your rightful place. Lead your children. Train up your children. We're looking at this on the big stage. We're looking at this in the context of the Equality Act, how, parent, uh, how children's rights are being elevated above their parents' rights. But you know what? Judgment starts with the house of God. It didn't just get this big all of a sudden. There have been little steps all along the way. We need to go back, and it's not even about making course corrections anymore. We need to go back and just tear down some roads and build new ones. We need to get back to what the Bible says. Judgment starts with the house of God. Let's get our house in order. Um, saints of God, if you, if you um, understand that we have authority and we're to, supposed to be praying against the things that are going on in our government, take a look at what's going on in your government and then ask, where did it really start? It didn't just get this way. It didn't just get this way. Um, how, how, how are we as the body of Christ responding to these things? Again, if you're not in the United States, that's okay. Pray for us. Hallelujah. But consider what's going on in your nation. What's going on with your government, with your businesses, with your education? What injustices are prevailing? What wrongs are being committed? What, what? All of this applies to you too. Glory to God. All saints all nation. This is God's word to us. So let's ask ourselves, when we see corruption going on in the government, when we see the economy failing, when we see um, uh, unjust laws coming out, what, how are we as the body of Christ responding? Are we sitting passively by? Are we waiting for God to do something? Have we resolved that, well, these are the last days. The Bible says that things would get this way in the last days, and this is just the way it is. What are we doing? How are we responding? Well, in America, I've seen, I've, I've noticed two different responses from the body of Christ. There are more, but I'm going to talk about two that I've noticed. One, the church is getting up in arms. They're getting angry. And two, the church is getting involved. They're getting motivated. Okay, maybe I should call my senator. Okay, maybe I should. Um, Maybe I should run for government. Maybe they're getting involved. So praise the Lord. But let's talk about response number one. The church is getting up in arms. They're getting angry. They're getting offended that the government would have the audacity to tell us that we can't stand for our faith-based practices. They are getting offended that the world would be so bold. But do you know what God says? God asks us, he says, do you know why the world is making a push to come into the church? It's because the church has not done her due diligence to go out into the world. Ah, we've been hiding behind these, you know, within these four walls. One of the good things that came from the COVID lockdown 
is that we were reminded that the church is not the building. When we couldn't go to church anymore, we were reminded that the church is not the building. The church is us. We are the church. And we are to be going out into the world. I remember uh, one time, well, actually, hold on. No affront, no affront, because I know what we evangelize. We hold crusades. We win souls to Christ. And all of that is good. Hallelujah. But once they get saved, once we get them saved, what happens? We invite them into the church. And what happens again? We're in the church. We hide behind the four walls. I remember this time I was um, on assignment as a traveling speech therapy, and I had moved to another state. This was the furthest I had been from home. So it was a new experience for me. It was a scary experience. And um, this particular week, I'm on spring break, and I decide to go to a local restaurant, you know, this diner, and I'm going to have a cultural experience. I decided to order an ostrich burger. Yes, I did. It was good. It was gamey, but it was good. And so anyway, while I'm sitting there in the diner, at the next booth over, there's a couple sitting um, across from me. Um, and they were an older couple. And I'm just sitting there eating, and all of a sudden, my phone rings. And it's my home church calling me from where I live. And they said, we just wanted to be a blessing to you today. Is there anything we can pray for you? And I said, oh, yes. And I gave him my prayer request. And we began to pray on the phone. And, and I'm praying, not thinking anything of it. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm raising my hand. Glory to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for calling. And I hang up the phone. And I look up. And the couple is staring at me. And I was like, what happened? I was like, Lord, is there a glory shine on me? You know, what's, what's going on? And so they strike up a conversation and they say, are you from North Carolina? I was like, yes. And I was like, Lord, are you telling these people about me? What? I didn't realize that my car was right outside the window and they could see my license plate, all that stuff. But anyway, we strike up a conversation and um, I, I don't remember what happened, but I do know that they ended up telling me, yes, um, my wife, she's been, she's, had this diagnosis, I forgot what it was, but she's had this diagnosis and she's just been in constant pain for years. And even when the pain is at its least, it's much. And I was like, oh, well, would you like for me to pray for you? And they said, yes. And so I said, may I come sit with you? And they said, yes. And I did. And I reached out to hold their hands and they looked a little surprised, but they held my hands. And I began to pray right then. And praise God, when we finished, their countenances were lightened and they were wow and okay and then they began to talk to me some more and the man was a part of a quartet and they were ministering at a revival that night and they invited me to the revival well i went to the revival and when i got there i have to tell you i was the only person of color so obviously i'm a visitor they know i they know i have not been there before but do you know what each person said to me from the usher from the doorkeeper on the outside all the way on the inside you're the woman who prayed you're the woman who prayed. You're the woman who prayed. The, the word had gone out, evidently, that I had prayed there in the diner. And I didn't realize what a big deal that was at the time. And even when I was sitting there, people would come over, hello, you're the woman who prayed. You're the woman who prayed. Okay, so revival is, opens up with testimony service. And most of the people stand up there and testify. And every single person who testified said, I thank God that I'm saved. I thank God that I'm saved. They were so happy to be saved. Praise God. The service goes on, the preacher preaches, and then there's an invitation to salvation given later. 
and there's no response from anybody. But keep in mind, 90% of the people who were in that little church testified that they were saved. And the thing that struck me that night, it's like all the saved people are in the church. And what the Lord showed me is the reason they're amazed by you, you're the woman who prayed, is because you prayed in public. Because you prayed in public. We cannot hide behind the four walls of the church. We have to get out. And that doesn't just mean go out and bring them in and now we're self-contained again. We have to go out. We go out into the businesses. We go out into the government. We go out into the education system. We go out into the healthcare system. We go out. That's what God has called us to do. In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus told Peter, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail. He was saying the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. The gates, the gates, they're an entryway or an exit way to a city or to a fortress or to a place. The gates are stationary. Gates don't move. Gates are stationary. The gates of hell would not prevail. Do you know what that means for us today? church that means that we're not waiting for hell to come at us we are constantly progressing advancing towards hell we're taking territory as we go in the name of jesus and now i was blessed when i looked up this word gates it said it typically refers to the exit people go out of so the focus is on what proceeds out of the gate well let me tell you something if Jesus said that the gates of hell would not prevail against his church, neither will the spirits that come out of that gate, neither will the darkness that comes out of that gate, neither will any of the evil that comes out of that gate, it will not prevail against us. And what we need to understand is that this is not just a scripture on the page. Rise up, church. He's talking to us. This word is for us in the name of Jesus. And Jesus tells us in Luke 10, 19, I'm going to read this out of the Amplified translation it says or no jesus says listen carefully i have given you authority that you now possess to tread on serpents and scorpions and the ability to exercise authority over all the power of the enemy satan and nothing will in any way harm you this is not just a Bible verse, saints. Rise up. Jesus is talking to us. This is Jesus talking to us. He has given us authority over all the power, over all the ability of the devil. But what the church has done, instead of, um, or no, what the church has done, we've assimilated to the world. We've accommodated the world. We've, we've compromised. Okay, we'll allow this. Okay, we'll allow that. All in the name of trying to be relevant. Trying to be relevant to the Lord. He didn't call us to be relevant to the world. He, caused us, he called us to be the light shining in darkness. And he gave us the authority to walk in this earth and take territory for the kingdom of God. We're to be walking in our authority. But what we need to understand is this, that when we walk in our authority, or in order to walk in our authority, we need to stay on our turf. We need to understand, and you know what? I'm saying this, you're hearing a lot of familiar scriptures. I pray that you're hearing this with fresh ears in the name of Jesus. 
I don't want it to be something that you know. I want it to be revelation to you, something that you will speak out in faith, something that you will walk out in faith, something that you will see manifestation of in your life. I pray that this word is stirring up the gifts on the inside, stirring up to remembrance what God has spoken over you, stir up to remembrance the assignments that God has given you, and it's building up courage on the inside of you to do what he's given you to do. Amen. So we need to understand that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Our turf <laughs> is in the spirit realm. Our turf is in the spirit realm. Satan is the little G God of this world. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And when we get caught up in getting frustrated over these things that are happening in the natural and even getting mad about them and, 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 and but handling them in our flesh, then he's already won. He's already won. So I want you to hear this, saints. You have authority over all the power. And that word power means ability. You have authority over all the ability of the devil. And he can only get away with what you allow him to get away with. Selah. Selah. So the question becomes, why? Are we allowing him to do it? Why are we letting him get away with it? We've gotten off of our turf and we've allowed Satan to lull us onto his. We, the body of Christ, have compromised in so many areas by dealing with the natural realm instead of the spiritual realm. We've compromised righteousness because we don't want to appear to be intolerant. We don't want to appear to not have compassion, you know, and, and you know, what, what happened to tough love? You ever heard of that? Tough love. Sometimes, a lot of times, the love of God is tough love. Why? Because God is righteous. God is holy. And there are some things he just does not allow. And if we're in alignment and agreement with God, then there are things that we will not allow. But we've gotten over into man-pleasing instead of being a servant of Christ. We need to repent, we need to change that. If you see this in any area of your life, let Holy Spirit shine his light on it, confess and turn from it, glory to God, and thank him for this course correction in Jesus' name. All right, so now um, what the Lord has shown me is that our prejudices, our comforts, our ideas, our reasonings have blinded us to God's agenda because it's all about peace on earth. Well, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but the sword and set at variance, even they that are in their own household, father against daughter and so forth and so on. It's in there, Luke or Mark. It's in the gospels, find it. It's in there. He says that, and that doesn't mean Jesus came to start a war, but it's saying he didn't come to say everything is all right. He said, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. There's a new government in place now, and this is how it operates. He said, broad is the road, many there be that find it, but narrow. Narrow is the road, and few there be that find it. In trying to be relevant to the world, we've adopted that broad path. It's time to come back to the narrow.
Now, something that has really messed the United States up, and I'm telling you, um, again, not talking politics, handling kingdom business, something that really affected the United States was an anti-Trump sentiment. Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. The newsflash, it was never about Donald Trump. It was never about Hillary Clinton. It was never about Joe Biden. It's not about any of them. It has always been about the will of God. It has always been about the will of God. Whatever nation you're in, it's always about the will of God. It's not about the people who are running. It's not about whether you like them or not, whether you don't like them or not. I mean, these are things to consider, but that is not that we are in the world, not of the world. We have heavenly resources. We have the wisdom of God. We can see beyond what these natural eyes can see. We need to stay on our turf and receive all of our resources ooh, from the riches and glory that God has for us. Thank you, Jesus. We, the body of Christ, no matter what nation we reside in, we're supposed to vote the word of God. In the United States, we have two primary political parties, the Democrat and the, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party. Okay, and now neither platform is perfect, but each platform stands for certain things. Um, and the, the issues on the platforms, I'm just giving a, a, an example here. In the United States, they were abortion and Israel and um, same-sex marriage and you know a few other things but with each platform we're supposed to go to the platform so if this means you need to start doing research start doing research stop voting according to tradition stop voting according to you know what mama and them did and daddy and them did do your research find out what the points are on the platform and then say, okay, God, what do you say about this point? What do you say about abortion? What do you say about same-sex marriage? What do you say about Israel? What do you say? And when you find out what the Lord says about it, then you go to each platform and you see which one aligns most closely with the word of God, because we're not voting Republican. We're not voting Democratic. We're voting the word of God. Why? Why is this important? Because we are the body of Christ. Jesus is the head of the body. The body can't go in a separate direction than the head. And Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If there's anything we know about Jesus, that he was always one with his Father. He is always one with his Father. That's what he came to show us. And God is not separate from his word. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. Word was with God and the word was God. God is not separate from his word. So we go, we look at what he says in the word and then we look at the platforms and whichever one lines up most closely with the word of God, that's what we vote because we are for God. It doesn't matter who is in that position. It doesn't matter who's president. Why? Because we are in this world. We are not of this world. We have prayers and the fervent prayers of the righteous availeth much glory to God. And when we pray according to God's will, which is his word, then we have this confidence that he has heard us. And if we know that he has heard us, then we know that he answers us. And we know that we have the petitions that we have, um, the petitions granted to us that we have desired. We handle this in the spirit people we can't be on satan's turf going by what we think about people and and what they've done in the past and all of this and i heard someone say regarding the elections <laughs> she said i'm looking at their heart and my question i asked myself i was like how, 
How is that? How is that when the Bible says that the heart is desperately wicked above all things? Who can know it? How is that when God's, when it's the Lord who searches the hearts and tries the rain? How, how is that? Elections, I don't care what kind of elections they are, they are never to be a popularity contest. We as the saints of God have the resources of God at our disposal and we should use them, glory to God. The wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, the understanding of God, the Holy Spirit who shows us the things of God, he, reveal, he plums the deep things of God and reveals them to us. We are to stay on our turf. We are to deal from the spirit. Elections are never to be about a popularity contest. They are always to be about the will of God. And so now while I'm saying all this, what God wants you to know, he's talking to us. He's talking to the body of Christ because he's saying the world didn't just get this way. We have allowed it to get this way. So there's some housekeeping that we need to do, and we need to come to the remembrance of who he has called us to be. Okay, so First um, Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter told us, and he was um, uh, quoting God, but he says, you are a chosen, well, part of it, he says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation and peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's called us out of darkness, which means we're not a part of that anyway. We don't anymore. We don't operate according to the kingdom of darkness anymore. And darkness, it doesn't just represent evil and bad and that. It also represents not knowing. It represents obscurity, but we've been called into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of revelation, the kingdom of spiritual understanding. We've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. And this is not just a Bible verse, people. Rise up, church. He's talking to us. Hallelujah. Uh, the scripture says that we are called a holy nation. That word holy, check this out. I had never seen this one before. And, and I'm putting quotes where the definition put quotes. It said, likeness of nature with the Lord, well, likeness of nature with the Lord because different from the world. Because we, are, we have the same likeness as the Lord, because we have the same nature of the Lord, that alone makes us different from the world. So what does that mean? We are not to be operating like the world operates even with the corruption going on, even with COVID-19 going on, even with the economic calamity going on, even with, you know, uh, just sex trafficking, all these things going on, starvation going on, lack of food, lack of supplies going on. We're not to be going through it the same way the world is going through it. We have resources and supply that the world doesn't have. And God has given us a way to access it, but we need to remember who we are and we need to go to our source and we need to understand that the Bible is not just a book. It's not just scriptures. It's not something good to have a scripture Rolodex in your mind. You can quote anyone you want to at any time. No, this word is alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it has results in our lives when we let it, when we agree with it and when we walk it out. 
And God's saying, come on, people. Come on, people, we need to do this. So with everything that's going on, it's not for us to become indignant. It's not for us to become indignant when the world is doing what the world is supposed to be doing. We're supposed to know who we are. We're supposed to handle it by walking in our authority. We're supposed to stay on our turf. We're supposed to stay in the spirit realm. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, hallelujah, to the pulling down of strongholds. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We can speak life to dead situations the same way we can speak death to stuff that doesn't need to exist anymore. Glory to God, hallelujah. And we have authority over all the power the devil possesses. Glory to God. Let's rise up, church. Let's rise up. He's talking to us. All right. So now the second response that I've seen from the church um, regarding the Equality Act is that saints are getting motivated to get involved. Praise God. They're calling their senators. They're um, running for office. They're informing others. They're um, doing what God has called them to do. This is good. This is so great. But let me tell you, if we only take these natural actions, mm -hmm, if we only do it in the natural, without operating in the spirit realm, without operating on our turf, then we're only putting a Band-Aid on issues. And what the Lord is telling me now, it, we're going back to the beginning. Look at the motive of your heart or allow God to show you the motive of your heart. Don't do anything out of hatred for anybody. Don't do anything just because you're downright frustrated. Don't do anything because so-and-so needs to learn a lesson. Don't do anything because I don't like this person, so I'm going to support this person. No, 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 no. Operate in the love of God. Operate in the love of God. All right, so if we just take natural actions without handling it in the spirit realm, then we're just putting a Band-Aid on the problem. At the same time, we can't just handle it um, in our prayer closets and then when God tells us to do something, still not do anything. There must be a balance. We go, to, we go into prayer and receive instruction from God as to what to do. And as we walk it out, he continues to lead us. So there is a balance there. There's a balance there. A lot of people you know, are just praying about it. Good, continue to pray, but take action when God tells you to take action. Our warfare is not natural. Is not against people. It's spiritual. It's against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's, it's against the enemy. Now, the thing is, when we pray, we tend, to, <laughs> we tend to pray for the world. Lord, this is going on in the world. Lord, the government's doing this. Lord, help them to repent. Help them to see the light. Help. Yes, we are supposed to intercede. Praise God, we're supposed to intercede. We pray against the negative things that are happening. That's okay. That's good. And while we desire for people to be saved, while we desire for people to change, while we desire for the corruption to cease, God's saying, don't forget to take a look at yourself. Don't forget to take a look at yourself. The world is doing what it's supposed to do. But are you doing what you're supposed to do? Are you walking in the light, in the revelation of God as you're supposed to and operating in agreement and alignment with his word? Are you being the light in darkness? I'm not talking about the church at large right now. I'm talking about you, the church. I'm talking about me, the church. 
now um, turn with me we're going to put our eyes on this we're going to go to second chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. so turn in your bibles with me there i will turn there with you in real time hallelujah This is a very familiar scripture, but in the name of Jesus, we're going to hear it with fresh ears. Thank you, Lord. God says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So, who, who is this to? This is to his people. This is to us. We are his people called by his name, and we're supposed to humble ourselves. And we get that part of the scripture. But when we pray, we often pray uh, for, for God to help people turn from their wicked ways. But this scripture says, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Talking about your wicked ways. Talking about my wicked ways. Wicked ways are twisted ways, ways that don't line up with the word of God. It doesn't have to be some gross sin. Something as simple as not obeying him where he's told you to obey him. Something we're not thinking like him when he's told you how to think. Turn from their wicked ways. It starts with us, church. It starts with us. So it's like God is, is backing us up. We, we got to get some foundational things straight. We got to make sure our foundation is straight so that when we pray, we are praying according to the will of God. And we're praying from a position where our prayers can be heard. Amen. It says, turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. Whose sin? Our sin. Our missing the mark. Our not getting it right. He'll forgive our sin. And he'll heal our land. Now we're in the position, all right, we can be effective for him because we've gotten our stuff out of the way. We can be his vessels of honor now. Amen. Turn with me to Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. This, just go to the Old Testament prophets. You've got Ezekiel and Daniel. And then after that is Hosea. And we're going to look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. We know this first part very well, but I'm asking you again, hear it with fresh ears in the name of Jesus. It says, my people, God speaking, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Now let's read the next part. Because thou hast rejected my knowledge, I will also reject thee. Now that's Old Testament. The only part I wanted that is because thou hast rejected knowledge. So he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Well, it's not because knowledge isn't available to them. It's because we've rejected his knowledge. It's because he's told us things. He's told us the truth of his word. And somehow we just couldn't bring ourselves to get into agreement with his word. We've rejected his knowledge. We've rejected what he was telling us about it. So it's not that his knowledge isn't available. But when we reject his knowledge, then okay, he's not going to cast his pearl before the swine either. 
but you won't be able, on the day of judgment, you won't be able to say that you didn't know. You won't be able to say that you didn't know. Okay, turn with me now to Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. Very simple scripture, very profound scripture. I want your eyes on it. That's why I'm asking you to turn there with me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. A little leaven leaveneth the whole. Oh, this it's just so, you know, that little mommy and poppy thing calling our children. Mommy, poppy, a little leaven. Leaven it the whole lump, messes up the whole thing. This is how the Passion Translation says it. It says, don't you know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system? After a while, you begin thinking that this little baby is mommy, this little baby is puppy. They get to tell you what to do. They get to dictate what you buy and when you eat and what you do and how long you can do it. Because as you're speaking that out of your mouth, you're altering your own belief system. Don't you know that when you allow even a little lie into your heart, it can permeate your entire belief system? What little lies have we allowed to creep in? What if we say, oh, it's okay, that's just harmless. Oh, it's okay, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't be such a holy roller. In America, what little lie little lie, caused us to be okay with abortion, caused us to be okay with the Bibles being taken out of schools, caused us to be okay with the Ten Commandments being removed from the, the, from the courthouses, caused us to be okay with, with, with homosexuality occupying our pulpits. What little lie did we allow to creep in that permeated our entire belief system? In your nation, where you are, what little lies have kept in, crept in? Maybe lies that you are powerless in comparison to your government, or that your voice doesn't matter, or that um, if the government doesn't help me, then I can't have uh, the, the supplies that I need to live off of. Or um, anywhere, my paycheck is my source. What little lies have we allowed to creep in that have permeated our entire belief system. We must check ourselves and come into alignment with the will of God and understand that the will of God is never separate from the word of God. So if you don't know what the will of God is, start here. Start here. His word is his will. Amen. We must come with into alignment with the will of God and therefore the word of God. And we do that by acknowledging God for who he is. We need to understand that God is a holy God. He's a holy God. Therefore, that that is unclean cannot stick to him. That that is unclean is not a part of him. So, we need to acknowledge that, align with that, agree with that, and stop compromising and living sloppy lives. 
It's not about, I have to be perfect. I have to be right. No, 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 no. But it's about, I have to purpose in my heart to live in agreement with God and praise God that when I do slip, when I do fall, when I do make a mistake, there is grace there to carry me. There is grace there to lift me. We can't live sloppy lives. We can't go believing everything. And we can't go accepting everything. So acknowledge God for who he is. Know that he is holy. He is righteous. And he is just. And believe God for who he is. Act like what you learn about him and what you learn of him and what you learn from him is true. And act like God is who he said he is. If he said, I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm your provider, he's your provider. If he said, I'm Jehovah Rapha, I'm your healer, he's your healer. If he said that he will supply your need, he will supply your need. If he said he'd make your enemies be at peace with you, he'll make your enemies be at peace with you. Believe him for who he is. Come into alignment. Act like you believe him. Honor him. Place weight and esteem on who he is which will result in your revering him. Hallelujah. God says he's your provider, but you've got this empty bank account looking at you. Let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his children. Let the Lord be magnified above the balance in that checkbook. Let the Lord be magnified above that empty cabinet in the kitchen. Let the Lord be magnified above this relationship that seems to be going crazy. Let the Lord be magnified. And as you magnify him, as you honor him, you will see that he will move on your behalf. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The body of Christ, the body of Christ, getting ourselves, getting our houses in order, putting ourselves in check. We need to walk in humility. We need to acknowledge who we are in relation to who he is. We need to um, recognize who we are in the sight of God. So we are who and what God says we are. And we need to recognize who we are in comparison to God. God created us. We are the creation. We are lowly compared to him, which means we come beneath him. And the scripture says just a little lower, just a little lower, a little lower than the angels. That word angels in Hebrew is actually Elohim, which is God, which is a little lower than God. But we're lower. In other words, he created us and we do what he says. Hallelujah. And we need to walk in the love of the truth. If we walk in the love of the truth, it will cause us to stick to the truth of who God is, regardless of what the world is saying, regardless of what society is saying. It will help us to live the truth of who God is. Glory to God. It will help us to spread the truth of who God is. And because God is not separate from his word, then that means that we will stick to the truth of God's word. We will live the truth of God's word and we will spread the truth of God's word. Glory to God. And once we make sure we are in place, then we can begin um, praying effectively for others. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down strongholds. Mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So we need to filter everything through God. Well, how do we do that, Pro uh, Prophetess Kay? Well, let's talk about this in regard of praying for others, right? Go back, let us, um, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor God's righteous cause. Well, his righteous cause for us is that we live as his holy people, as his holy nation, peculiar, set apart, 
and that we walk in the authority that he has given us and his righteous causes that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth and come to repentance in Jesus' name. So when we pray, we need to not pray from our perspective. We need to pray from God's perspective. This applies to your government. This applies to your job. This applies to your family. This applies to your enemies. It applies to everybody. Where people are concerned, I want to read this scripture. It's a lengthy one, um, but I'm going to... Um, I'm going to read it out of the message translation, 2 Corinthians chapter four, chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter five. And I'm gonna read verses 14 through 20. And it says, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone also could be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah, it's a fresh start is created new. So let me take a break there. When he says we look inside, he's not saying we look at the heart. Man can't see the heart, but he's saying we operate from the spirit realm. We're not looking at the flesh. We're looking at the spirit realm. And I'm reminded of Jesus talking to the young, rich young ruler. It says that Jesus beheld him. Jesus beholding him loved him. Jesus saw what he really needed and he spoke to what the rich young ruler really needed. And when we are dealing with people, whether in the body of Christ or not, when we ask God to help us operate from that place in the spirit, to behold them and to love them with the love of God that is within us, then God will tell us how to uh, interact with that person, how to deal with that person, how to pray for that person. So when he's talking about looking on the inside, he's not talking about looking at the heart. He's talking about operating from the spirit. Anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone and new life virgins. Look at it. All this comes from the God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. Now here's where we come in. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We're Christ's representatives. In the King James Version, it says, we are ambassadors of Christ. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. This is the ministry of reconciliation. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already friends with you. So when we pray for people, we're not to look at them according to the outside, according to their ugly moods, their ugly words, their ugly deeds. But we go in, we've got the spirit of God within us. We've got the, we've got the wisdom and knowledge of God. We've got discerning of spirits we ask for, and God can tell us how to operate with these people. Pray from God's perspective. Jesus was able to tell the rich young ruler the one thing he lacked. Holy Spirit can tell us how to pray for these people, for others, whoever they are. 
And when we pray, be spirit-lit. Sometimes we just don't know what to pray. But praise God, Holy Spirit always does. If you have your prayer language, pray in the Holy Spirit. That's the perfect prayer. And if you ask God for interpretation, he'll give it to you. Hallelujah. And then when you hear from God, pray what he tells you to pray and be obedient to him. And sometimes, I'm going to tell you the truth, sometimes God will say, don't pray for that anymore. And he might not tell us why. And oh no, God, I'm supposed to pray. I'm a prayer. I'm supposed to. If God tells you not to pray, I'm pretty sure he has good reason. We are to obey him. Remember, humility, he's the creator. We are the creation. We do what he says. Hallelujah. So remember who you are. We are ambassadors of Christ. We are to reconcile others to God. And where our nations are concerned, Psalms 2.8, God tells us, I give you the nations. I will give you the nations for your inheritance. That's in the New King James Version. So saints, he's given us the nations. Let us walk in the authority we have and take them. Let's stand for righteousness sake, but let's make sure we're standing for righteousness sake in here first. Let's make sure we're aligned with God. Glory to God. Let's stand for righteousness sake and let God accomplish through you what he desires to accomplish through you. And I want to leave you with this. I'm going to share something with you and I'm going to speak an impartation to you. Um, and it's going to come from Joshua chapter one, verses seven through nine. Let's turn there. I will turn there with you in real time. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. You there? Here we go. Only thou... Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. We're going to talk about all the word of God, all right? And then um, we're going to jump down. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law, this word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth. That means this is the only word that you're to be speaking. This word of God shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Here is the key. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. The Lord says, have I not commanded you? Have I, the one who is with you, the one who will never leave you or forsake you, the one who has equipped you, the one who has prepared you, the one who loves you, I'm the one. Haven't I commanded you? Only be strong and very courageous. So I want to speak encouragement to you today. And uh, before I do that, here's something you need to know. You're going to have to receive the courage. You're going to have to take courage. You know, I'm one, um, in the past, I've just needed a lot of encouragement. And the Lord was showing me here recently, even when people would come and they would speak encouraging words, I would receive it and it would last for a little while. 
but then I'm back to feeling, you know, whatever it was, and I just needed more encouragement. And the Lord said, do you know why that encouragement was so short-lived? I said, no. He says, because you didn't take it. You didn't, you didn't take it. You didn't believe it when they said you didn't have an ingrown belief of it. So it was stripped away from you. It, it, you had to keep filling your gas tank. You didn't have a reserve. You didn't. So when I speak this word of encouragement to you, I'm telling you, you're going to have to take the courage. You're going to have to grab hold of the courage. You're going to have to choose to hold on to it. Okay, because the Lord is causing us to rise up He's calling us to go out into the world and do what he has assigned us to do. And he's saying it's not people's job to encourage you. David encouraged himself in the Lord. It's not people's job to encourage you. It's your job to take courage. So I'm speaking to you right now, body of Christ. Be encouraged. Be very courageous. Hallelujah. Be of good courage in Jesus' name. And here are some things that God wants to encourage you with. God has never needed a majority. Don't be afraid of standing out. Just stand up for him in Jesus' name. God has never needed a majority. He says, one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. That's Leviticus 26.8. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrian armies and one um, Assyrian soldiers in one night. That's 2 Kings 19.35. Gideon's army of 300 defeated the host of Midianites. That's in Judges chapter 7. And one man, Samson, struck down 1,000 men with the jawbone of an ass. That's Judges 15, 15. So imagine if all of us rose up and stepped out in the authority that God has given us. Imagine what we all could do. Be encouraged, saints, in the name of Jesus. Ask God. He'll give you your nation as an inheritance. Stop playing the role of the victim. Know that you are the victor. Stay on your turf. Stay in the spirit realm in Jesus' name. Don't just sit idly by and wait for God to do something. God is waiting for you. Amen. 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 Praise God. I pray that you all uh, received that. I pray that you got something out of that. I feel like God did some serious housekeeping, housekeeping, house cleaning um, here today. I feel that restoration has come. So it's some things that have been going awry in your lives, some things that just haven't been connecting right. There's some things, some interferences have been moved out of the way. And if you align with God, you're going to find a steady flow again. I think you did a deep work here today. Thank you. Apostle True, is there anything that you would like to, to share? Uh, yes, that was uh, truly a word from the Lord. If you were able to receive what she was speaking, what the oracle of God were, then you were able to receive the kingdom. Um, one of the things that um, I think offends people and sometimes hinders them from receiving a word from God or receiving direction or correction is because we tend to have to use um, earthly descriptions. Um, so, you know, using, talking about political um, leaders, talking about 
certain uh, characteristics and, and tags, uh, the LGB community, you know, things like that. So those some when we have to use those words, they sometimes offend people immediately. I don't want to hear it. Or immediately your preconception mm -hmm. of how people have treated you or how you view things offends you and turns you off and you don't hear God's word. You don't, we have to use those terminology. It's, it's what it is. And um, I think that prophetess uh, really tried to establish that this is not political. This was really about um, the kingdom agenda. I think she did a good job at doing that. But again, I think that some of you may have been lost in a lot of the terminology that she used to bring forth and explain and expound on what it is that God is doing. And I'm here to tell you, do not do that. You, you have to learn to discern and separate those things from earthly understanding from kingdom understanding. You have to use your discernment. You have to allow God to in, uh, interpret for you. You have to allow Holy Spirit to establish his truth, the truth, because the word of God tells us that Holy Spirit, that's what Holy Spirit does. He leads us into all truth. He reminds us, reminds us of what God is saying, what he has already spoken in his word. And Prophetess Kay has done that. She has declared the word of God. She's used scripture. She's used the word of God to back that up. And so um, I, I, I dearly hope that you are not offended by some of the terminology that she used to bring forth the word of God, but that you recognize that she was establishing the foundation of God's word. And she was establishing who you are in Christ so that you can recognize uh, because if you did become offended, because, okay, we're here in the United States, but say we might have been in, uh, in India and talking about some of the electives in, uh, in India or Iran or it, whatever. See, there's going to be offense, uh, but she's not speaking about people like she stated. She's dealing with kingdom uh, kingdom business. She's dealing with the kingdom mandate that God has established for us right here in the word of God. And you, if you become offended or if you take things too personal, it is my belief that you have um, drawn too close to the culture. Mm -hmm. Because now you're offended when we speak kingdom business and when we address the issues at hand and we have to use the terminology and the labels that are given us and you have to be able to discern those things and so that should be an indicator right there and it should be a strong indicator that if you are offended or you felt that we she was being judgmental or she made a statement that uh you know why did she why does she think that or this that and that even when she literally gave you um, a, a, a pre, uh, you know, clause. She, she made sure that she stated that this is not, you know, she kept saying that. And you probably, the, you know, heard that. And then a few minutes later, after she started getting into things, 
she said something and it rubbed you the wrong. You threw everything else out. Mm -hmm. These are strong indicators that we have assimilated, as she said. And what that, that's a good thing. If you, if, if you felt those indicators, if those things tapped, you know, touched you in a way, then you know that there's some um, uh, quality time that you need to spend with God. Lord, why was that such a hard word? Because she, like, like I said, she never strayed from the word of God. And sometimes we get bent out of shape because um, we have family members that are like that or we're struggling to come out of things or we, uh, again, feel compassion for people because they're in our family or we worked with them. And now, you know, they were telling us their side of the story and, and, you know, you feel bad because, uh, you know, people of that persuasion have been killed. And, you know, this is the same thing with black lives matter and all of that, those things pull at our heartstrings and they should, but at the same time, God is asking us to, um, to grow up and to use good judgment. We have to stand on the word of God. And we have to remind ourselves that we are not of this world. We are children of God. We have a kingdom, a country of our own. Mm -hmm. And just like any ambassador that goes to another country, he understands the rule and regulations of his own country. He understands that. And so when he goes to the other country, he understands their rules and regulations too. But he doesn't assimilate to them. He just follows the rules. He understands his immunity. Do you understand what I'm saying? He understands that at any time he can go back home. At any time, he does not have to um, continue in the ways of the way that they do business. This is not do as the Egyptians do or do as the Romans do or do walk like the, we don't, no, we don't do that. And so I think that um, Prophetess has uh, really done a wonderful job of bringing God's word uh, forth and bringing the scripture forth and explaining and expounding on those things. Uh, but there's just one thing that I want to touch on before I bring it back to you, uh, Prophetess. Um, we have to also recognize that um, it, as children of God, we are... If we, depending on where we uh, were raised and brought up, because she made mention of a church where they had a revival and in the, that tent meeting, uh, everybody was saved. I thought that's strange. So it must've been everybody from the church. How can you have a revival and everybody saved? That, <laughs> Just you can't have a revival. You can't have if if everybody there is are the same people that come to church every Sunday. That's a problem. That's a problem. And so we have to recognize that God is calling us outside. He's calling us to, uh, you know, he's equipping us to understand the word of God. He's equipping us to learn the standards of Jesus. He's equipping us that we would recognize those things that are not of God. The leaven. 
And again, the indicator is if you were offended by anything that was said or you felt that um, prophetess was being judgmental, then those are indicators that you need to reevaluate the word of God in your life and you need to reevaluate where you stand. Um, again, just as uh, prophetess Kay had stated, and I'll state the same thing, nobody's against anybody's rights. That's not the issue. And so I also encourage you to re to listen to this again so that you can receive what God is saying. God is calling you out of the world. He is calling you so that you would separate yourself. He's calling you that you would have the love of Christ, but that you would actuate it without turning it into Paul said it like this, uh, your love, you should love one another, but don't allow that love to turn into lust. Mm -hmm. Lust for the world, lust for the things of the world, lust for uh, how others think or because the truth of the matter is you, once you start to, uh, you know, bad company corrupts good character. It's the leaven again. You don't even recognize that it's creeping in because it's just a little leaven. So um, I, I do think that if, uh, if you have a heart to receive what God has just spoken, that you will receive it and you will reap uh, a harvest. You really will produce fruit and you will get up and be motivated to ask God to realign you and to set you back on the course. Amen. Thank you, Prophet is true. Um, as you were saying that, I'm turning to the scripture because um, I really like the way you said it. You said, you know, if you find that you're fine, you're rubbed the wrong way, uh, that's an indicator that you're a little too close to the culture, right? And um, I thank you, Pastor True, for um, for your discernment and knowing, um, just knowing the heart of God in this in this ministry um, that went forth today. And for everybody listening, it is as Jesus speaking to the rich young ruler, Jesus beholding him, loved him. And how did he love him in that moment? He told him what he needed to hear. Unfortunately, the rich young ruler couldn't take it and he walked away sorrowful. My prayer is that none of you walk away sorrowful but that you hear the word that God has spoken to you today and know that he is also giving you the solution. He's giving you the answer. He's giving you, he's, he's not just putting a bandaid on the boo-boo. He's fixing the whole problem if you let him. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, um, and this, this we can we can classify as a word of correction from God. If that's how you're taking it, you can see it as a word of correction. So turn with me, put your eyes on it. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. And I'll read it out of the Amplified Classic translation. It says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems, actually, you know what? Let's back up to verse 10. 
For our earthly fathers disciplined us for only a short period of time and chastised us as seemed proper and good to them. But he, talking about God, disciplines us for our certain good that we may become sharers in his own holiness. Hallelujah. In his own purity, in his own being separated from the world, in his own being different from the world. Now verse um, 11 goes on to say, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. A harvest of fruit which consists in righteousness, in conformity to God's will and purpose, thought and action, resulting in right living and right standing with God. Allow this word to train you. Be trained by it, that you may yield a harvest of fruit, which consists of righteousness, being in conformity to God's will and purpose, thought and action. That's another way of saying alignment, being in alignment with him, resulting in right living and right standing with God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There was also, um, uh, I think, a statement that you had, uh, well, you, you spoke, you know, quite extensively and uh, about what can motivate us. You, talk, you said that there were two groups or two groups that you mentioned, those who are uh, up in arms and then those um, who are involved. motivated or involved, right? And so I think um, as we begin to move forward in, because uh, of, of late, um, we, not of late, but for many years now, um, we have talked about marketplace ministry um, where so many believers have gone into places um, of, uh, ju being judges on the bench, police officers, sheriffs, um, congressmen, senators, and they are believers and they get in there. But one of the things that I have noticed that they don't, that I have not seen, and this is personally, I, I, I see, I, and I, have, I know people who are in uh, certain areas. Um, they are a part of the body of Christ. They are a part of local churches. But when it comes down to getting us to understand the p political verbiage and the terminology, the jargon of every um, issue that is being put before, you know, um, a vote, we, we miss the mark there, I believe, because we can vote for things, we can read the pamphlets, but they only give you this little paragraph. And you have to be active in your city, in your government. You have to go to those city meetings, town hall meetings. You really have to get involved because you don't really, and again, this is not about Republican, Democrat, uh, the Green Party, it's, it's not about that. It's about the issues and what you don't see. The 
the covering of words and terminology and legal um, jargon that is being presented because it is presented as something good, but you have to know the jargon, you have to know the legal terminology, you have to know all of those things and you have to know people who understand that. Um, everybody needs a teacher, everybody needs to understand certain things. And if you are not um, a part of your, your local council or board town meetings and things like that, you that's one of the things that you should get into. Um, it's something that I have been doing because again, Sometimes uh, you, you really don't understand. And the reason why I say this is because I remember when my oldest daughter um, had first um, started going, there was a law that had passed a few years ago, and this is a, quite a few years ago, um, but she had become old enough to go to the doctor. And uh, I guess I think she was about 15 or something. And we had walked inside the, the doctor's office, she and I, and the doctor said, well, you know, she's at this age, there's a law now that states that she doesn't have to have, you, you don't have, you can't be in the room while we're talking. I'm like, what? I, I didn't even know. She says, yes, because we're going to be talking, because she was, you know, going um, in there and, and the, the doctor, I guess, was speaking to her about birth control and all that other stuff. But I was not able to go into the room. But because of the relationship that I have with my daughter, she told me everything that was going on. And I explained to her um, you know, just what, because I didn't, I did not know that there was such a law. I knew that they were thinking about one, but it had passed. So my whole purpose in saying that is that uh, some of these things have been enacted and we don't recognize them because they start in little ways. Um, because children are having abortions and they're, um, some of them are dying, some of them are getting, you know, whatever's going on. And so it may seem like the right decision to do at the time to give them permission because of tragedy. It, it, the tragedy is that there are young girls who are being raped by their fathers, grandfathers, uncles, and brothers, and they are coming up pregnant. But that does not mean that we should take away and strip away the rights of the parent to, to know and to deal and to, um, you know, make this help make decisions with their children about what is going on. You just wipe them out completely. And so I'm saying that because this stuff has been, it's like the leaven. It has a, been a small thing that starts and then it snowballs. Don't you, uh, I don't think you, anyone should find it strange that the enemy is a counterfeit. And Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. This is the good leaven. It's or a seed, a mustard seed. It's the smallest thing, but when it grows, it becomes huge. It starts out small. And the, and the enemy loves to contradict, and he is just an imitator. He is a counterfeit. And so, but he will use the word of God and twist and manipulate and pervert it, but he will use it for his will. It's not unheard of. People do it in church all the time. People do it, there are pastors who do it to manipulate, to gain followings, to get money. So 
we have to recognize that these things are taking place. But my reason for saying this is that we have to get involved at the um, at the ground level. We have to recognize, and we we have to do this prayerfully. We have to do this prayerfully. We have to fast and pray. We have to come together with those who are of like mind. Uh, one last thing I'm going to say. Um, I was watching um, Mario Murillo, and he was speaking in regards to Abraham Lincoln, and I believe it was him. I could be wrong, but he said one of the greatest speeches that he made was not um, the one about slavery. He, he made a mention that Abraham Lincoln stated that how can two, the same group of people, believers, who read the same Bible, who confess to be saved, confess to know the Lord, have two different ideas. God is not split. And, you know, I thought about that. I even asked the Lord, how does that happen? Because it, it, it happens. We see that all the time. We see it now. It's, it's just, you know, the norm when it shouldn't be. God is not schizophrenic. He doesn't have personality disorder. And so I asked the Lord about that. And he said, well, that's what you see in, um, I think it's Matthew 13. With the wheat and the tear. They're growing up together. You don't always. That's why you need the sermon. The wheat and the tear look, look exactly the same. He told the servant. Um, the angel said. Well uh, didn't you sow good seed? He said yeah. So why are the tears? Because an enemy did that. Do you want us to uproot them now? No. Let them grow together. See, that's, again, that's why you need discernment. You really need discernment. We cannot be going into different directions. And again, sometimes leaders will use very charged words and terminology and even the way that they come across because they are prophets and they are zealous for God or they have passion. It's just sometimes the way that we speak. We become offended. We get pricked by the way that they're using terminology and the way that they're saying things. And you should always, I don't care who it is, you have to go before God and ask the Lord, if I'm not under, if something is bothering me, am I? Why am I being offended by this? I, and I'm not talking about people's character flaws. I'm not talking about that. You can have a character flaw, and God can still use you. Okay, that is just as simple as that. I'm not saying that you can be outright in sin and all that. That's not what I'm saying to you. What I'm simply saying to you is that even as Prophetess K began to speak, if you became offended or if any uh, leader is speaking and you become offended, people cannot sugarcoat things for you. They cannot do that. They simply cannot. And God wants you to be able to be mature, to receive the word of God, to be able to discern what is being said and what is, what is uh, necessary to move forward and to grow and to become one, that's the word of God. He wants us to be mature and in unity and of one mind because there is one faith, 
one baptism, one Lord, and once we have one God. And so again, I just believe that as uh, Prophetess was speaking, we need to get involved, but we need to do so even with our terminology. Uh, is we have to know the word of God, but we also need to know what is being taken place in our cities, in our towns, in our country, and in our nation. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad you brought that point up, Apostle True, um, especially about the jargon and understanding what's going on. Because, you know, I read that Equality Act several times, and the language is so nice. It sounds like a really good act. And it took someone of a legal mind, someone who knows, you know, the jargon, someone who knows the jargon, it took them to explain it and to really break it down and say, look at it. And so now when I went back and read it again, okay, I'm able to see, oh, okay, because I would have just taken it for granted that this is what it meant. But no, when you look at the fine lines or you understand the implications of it, you see what it really means. Because it's like we've said, we're all for people having equal rights, all for that. But then when you get down and you see what the church is no longer allowed to do, or what the church will have to start doing in order for them to have these quote unquote equal rights, then no, no, that's not right. <laughs> and so, um, yes, get involved, get around somebody who knows the jargon, get around somebody who can explain it to you. And then again, always take it before the Lord and do your research, do your due diligence to read it. Now I'm going to go ahead and put a plug in here. I thank God. For Kenneth Copeland Ministries. I thank God for Flashpoint, and I thank God for Victory News, who deliver the news and the spirit of faith. They say knowledge under the anointing is a powerful tool, and they communicate the news, the good, bad, and the ugly, but they do it all in a spirit of faith. And so, um, as I've been listening to that, and, and there's still been some things that I might not agree with, or some things that I need to, okay, Lord, I'm not understanding this quite right. Explain this to me more. But I have to do my due diligence and go and, and study. And I take it before the Lord and allow him to explain it. But when we have those teachers, when we have people in place, right, who can tell us the things that we don't understand, now we have a context to put it in. Now, based on what they've said, we can make um, connections. And it's not that they're planting seeds. It's not that they're brainwashing or anything like that. Just as I've come to you today, maybe I've said something that you didn't uh, realize before. And now when you go back and look at it for yourself, the Holy Spirit will quicken something in you that you've heard today that will help you put that in context. That's what we're here for. So yes, learn the jargon and do it in a faith-based community. Do it in a faith-based community. Praise God. And you know what? Um, yeah, praise God. Because right now, pastors, teachers, preachers, prophets, ministers, we are able to speak about these things from the pulpit because of the Johnson rules, something, or the Johnson law, something um, that President Trump signed. So now we are able to speak freely this way from these platforms. So take advantage of it. Do your due diligence. 
Learn what you need to learn. Take it before the Lord. First John 4, 1. Brethren, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God. It does not say try the spirit by the spirit. Try the spirits, whether they be of God. This is where that discerning of spirits comes in. You ask God for that. Amen. Amen. Apostle True, um, if there's something else you'd like to say, um, and if not, will you do a salvation call and also um, baptism of the Holy Spirit for those who don't have their prayer language and those who don't know how to pray in the Spirit? Would you do that for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I, I pray once again, like I said, that you have received the word of God with an open heart, uh, just as I prayed in the beginning, that your hearts would be open and your minds would be open to receive God, uh, the word of God, because uh, God is in the business of uh, tearing down and building up. He's in the business of restoring, and you cannot receive the new wine if you are still holding on to the old. And so to, uh, today, if you have not received God and if what prophetess has spoken has touched your heart and you feel led and you feel um, convicted and at some point during uh, this broadcast, you just said, Lord, I, I, I didn't realize. I had no idea how far off I was. I thought that where I was was where you were at, but I realize now that I've fallen off, or if you are in a place where you have never even realized, for some reason, God has just spoken to your heart, and you pulled up Facebook, and this is, this was on, and all of a sudden, you was like transfixed because of the things that were being said, and your heart was melting, and all of a sudden, you felt your face being wet, and your clothes being, because God was speaking to you, because he was moving in your midst, and you are saying, God, I want more of you. What, what, wherever you are and whatever place you, are, you find yourself, and God has moved upon you. You could be a believer and have been a believer for 10, 15, 20 years, but you didn't recognize that there was a stronghold there, place of darkness that God now shed light on because the word of God went forth and it illuminated things that were in darkness, that were in shadows, things that you probably even thought about at one point, but you no know, one was speaking about them and no one brought it to you in this perspective, but today you received it and you are light. All of a sudden shackles and weights have fallen off and you are like, Lord, I am free. I understand now and I want more. Wherever you're at in that place, wherever you are at, and God has visited you today. The word of God says, the day you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. That does not mean when you first believe. It means anytime you hear the word of God and it hits your heart and you begin to see things differently and you begin to understand differently. You receive what God is doing. God is saying, that's the day. And so if that is you, then I simply, this is not um, about great elaborate prayers and, uh, you know, 
strict diets or setting uh, you know time uh, away from others that you you just simply have to have faith to believe that when you are opening your mouth because you've been touched because you know that God is in the room that you know that God is doing something that's it right there all you have to do is start to open your mouth and declare these things and I, I, I just want to help you I just want to help you get to that place where God can move in and he can take control and he can lead you but you don't have to depend upon yourself and, your, and lean on your own understanding, but you can receive Christ. And all you have to do is open your mouth and say these words. If you would repeat after me, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. I ask that you would forgive me of any sin that I may have been in, any sin that I may have been speaking, because prophet has said, our words have power. So Lord, I repent now. Lord, I repent now of all things, of all things that have come up against you. That have come up against you. And I ask that you would come into my life. I ask that you would take control of my life. I ask, Lord, that you would show me your love. That you would renew me and restore me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for nailing the um, sin and death on the cross for me while I was yet in sin. I thank you, Father God, that even while I was walking with you, I was denying you full access. But today, Lord, I say no more. I say have your way. I say yes to your will. 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 I say yes. Have your way in my life. I surrender unto you today. In Jesus' name. Now, if, if you said that, not only, check this out. If you said that and you felt that, I just want you to go ahead and ask, Lord. Now, I, I've asked you to have your way, your way, Lord. And I can't do that without you dwelling inside me. I can't do that on my own. I need your spirit, Lord. I need you to come and live inside of me. I need you to open up your mouth and I need you to say, Lord, come and live inside of me. Lord, I need you to dwell in me. Because every empty place, I just surrendered every place that was filled with hate, unbelief, every place that was filled with sin, I just emptied it. And so now I need you to come and fill them, those empty rooms with your spirit. If you said that, then all you need to do now is by faith, open up your mouth and begin to allow that prayer language to come forth. Remember, you just asked Holy Spirit to come in. We are praying that the tongues of fire would light upon each household, every member in the household. And so now, if you would just open up your mouth and just begin to speak your prayer language. Come on. By faith. 
Somebody, I just heard the Lord. Somebody got That's it. Keep, keep it up. That's it. Don't stop now. In the name of Jesus. I felt that in the name of Jesus. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for filling them up with your spirit in the name of Jesus. I thank you for giving them a heavenly language now that they can, Father God, commune with you in the name of Jesus. I thank you for sealing them, Father God, for the end time. I thank you, Father God, that now they are sons and daughters, Father God. I thank you, Father God, for ushering them into the kingdom of God. I thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus for what you have done today, this evening, this afternoon. I give you glory and praise, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Now listen, thank you, Lord. Listen, listen, you have just been translated from one realm to the next. God has established you. And some of you, See, I know some of you think, well, I already have a prayer language, but some of you haven't even been using your prayer language the way that you should. You sh some of you could, should be sitting there praying for 30 minutes or more so that your um, prayer language can move to the next level. Some of you are going to receive that by faith. Some of you are going to receive that you're going to be praying in your prayer language and it's going to start sounding different because God is taking you to a different level. And these things that are taking place in you, they're not strange. They are normal for those who are children of God. I want to welcome you to the family. Welcome, welcome. And for many of you, if you don't have a church home or a church family, or you want to share with us that you have been filled with the Holy Spirit and that your prayer language has been um, elevated and has changed, if you've received Christ, I, I, I'm going to ask you just to let us know. We would love to be able to pray for you and continue to lift you up before the Lord. And we're praying that you will find a church home that is a full gospel, full Bible-believing church, meaning they believe in signs and wonders and miracles, the laying on of hands, the speaking in tongues, and they stay in the word of God and they teach the word of God, that they raise up disciples, that they are an apostolic and prophetic ministry. Please let us know. I know some of you have received the baptism. I feel it in my belly and I'm thanking God for it. God loves you and we love you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. So this contact information is on your screen. You can contact me, Catherine Free, um, of God's Love Song Ministries and Discipleship Ways, you see. But here is the... Um, email address, K with an E on it, K-A-Y-E at discipleshipway.com. You can also visit our websites, um, discipleshipway.com and godslovesongministries.com. 
or if you would like to contact Apostle True, her email is truefreeloveministries at gmail.com. And um, she's got a Facebook page, True Free Love, and her website is truefreeloveministries.org. Amen. We would love to hear from you. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family. God is doing great, great things. And you know what? There's an assignment on your life now. There's an assignment on your life. He's got something for you to do. No pressure. Really, there's no pressure. It'll be a, it'll, it'll be a joy. As you delight yourself in him, he'll delight himself in you, and you will enjoy everything. You will enjoy it. Hallelujah. All right. Well, then, Pastor True, if you could just cover us before we leave. Absolutely. So we thank you, Father God, for our time, our curious moment with you. We thank you, Father God, for this divine appointment. We thank you for the children that have just been ushered into the kingdom, Father God. We thank you for all that has been said. We thank you, Father God, for all who were able to receive, Father God. We thank you for those who were here with us in um, the moment, and we thank you for those who will, Father God, hear it at a later date. We just Thank you, Father God, that you keep us and you protect us and you love us. We thank you, Father God, that your face smiles upon us, that you bless us, Father God, that you, Father God, go before us, making the crooked places straight and perfecting those things that concern us. So now, Father God, as we go about our way, we just ask that you would continually, Father God, keep us lifted. And that as we, Father God, those who have received you as Lord and Savior, Father God, that they would, Father God, run the race and that they would not be weary. And that you would go before them, Father God, setting things right in the name of Jesus. We just worship you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless and keep you all. Amen. And join us again on the third Saturday for our Eternity Chat. We'll be on Apostle True's page, True Free Love. All right. Love you all and be blessed. Bye-bye.